This podcast is brought to you by Kingdom at Work. Check out their interactive workshops, events, leadership coaching blog, and more at www.kingdomatwork.com or follow them on all major social media platforms. Kingdomatwork.com. Hey, welcome to I Work For Him this afternoon as we broadcast to you from Rancho Mirage, California. This broadcast made possible through a collaboration with FCCI and Convene. Check them out online, FCCI.org and ConveneNow.com. We're on location at the 2018 International Summit, a gathering of Christ followers who desire to live out their faith in their work, while pursuing excellence. On today's show, the two big kahunas, the supermen of FCCI and Convene. We've got, like I said, the big kahunas. We've got Chad Merrill, CEO of FCCI. We've got Greg Leith, CEO of Convene. These guys have been running all week. We're so excited to be able to capture them. We had to lock the door and put the curtains up on the window so nobody could know they're in here so you could hear their stories and the amazing stories what's been going on here in rancho mirage california chad and greg welcome back to i work for him thanks jim i remember the last time we chatted and i was in the parking lot of a restaurant in newport beach california so this is much more fun and comfortable (laughs) (laughs) chad i don't know where you were the last time we did an interview you were probably trapped in a car in an airport somewhere, I imagine. Uh, close. We were actually at the Museum of the Bible, if I recall. That's right. That's right. We did it in the basement last year with Bobby. That's right. Okay. All right. So, guys, just as an update, I would love for this show to be just a, a, a capture of the two of your hearts on the air. Chad, just start us off. How did you come to be a follower of Jesus? Well, I had the great benefit of uh, growing up in South Georgia to two Christian parents. So uh, mm. we were back in a day in a Mayberry-type town where it was uh, church on Sunday, sometimes twice. Yep. And uh, that's how it became. So I did the normal youth group and uh, made a decision to accept Christ during youth. Uh, but like many, drifted away a bit in college and those type of things. And then uh, met my wife uh, of 31 years and kind of recommitted. And through the ups and downs of life, um, really became much more convicted, uh, primarily a relationship, which was one of the founders of FCCI that started uh, mentoring and discipling me as a, as a young businessman. Who was that? That was Jim Moy. Wow. Jim, Jim was one of the, one of the seven that uh, founded FCCI. Wow, and that's fantastic that you got to have your life fed into by Jim Moy. Greg, what about you? How did you come to be a follower of Jesus? I was seven years old. It was Ottawa, Canada. My mom was a United Church goer kind of in the Presbyterian zone, and my dad was Pentecostal, so I was schizophrenic. (laughs) I didn't know where the real Jesus really fit into that category, but I accepted Christ at seven years old at a stockaders meeting, which is a kind of a boys' brigade Mm -hmm. deal in Canada. And then later on in life, when I was a teenager, that became much more real to me when I decided to stop doing all the things I shouldn't have been doing and start doing the things that I should be. Talk about the path that the Lord led you on to go from, you know, okay, so that teenager that really went all in for Jesus all the way up to today being the CEO of Convene. How did God get you there? Well, here's what I was privileged to have happen. When I graduated from Biola University with a business degree, I wanted to go work for a retail store. That was a really bad idea, but I talked to a friend of a friend who said, 
the last thing you want to do is go work for a retail store. Uh, I thought it was a big conglomerate thing that I was going to do. And so he said, you should talk to my neighbor. I don't know what they do, but they always hire people. So I thought, <laughs> well, that sounds good. So I went and talked to the neighbor. His name was Bob Hasty, in case he's listening. And I got hired for $900 a month to go work for this little $300 million company called Service Master. It was <laughs> such that the value set had already been established, honor God in all we do, help people develop, pursue excellence, and grow profitably. And I figured out in the, at the early age of about 21 or 22 years old that that honor God and help people were end goals, the big idea, mm -hmm. and the means goals were profit and excellence. So I was blessed to grow up in a system that said, this is a value set. This is a spiritual theology of work construct that you can live by. And so for 20 years, that's what we did. And we grew to $9 billion and had a great run. And I was tired and almost lost my marriage in the process, uh, but realized very quickly that that was a bad idea to grow a company and, and lose your life in the process. Uh, but I was privileged still to learn how the theology of work was an important construct to get straight. So you, your first real job taught you faith and work right from the beginning. Absolutely. So the dignity and value and worth of a service worker was important to me. Uh, my wife, Shelly, likes to keep saying, would you please stop talking to service workers so we could get out of this hotel? But <laughs> I, I learned that it was really important to ascribe dignity and value and worth to a, to a person who's doing mm -hmm. a, a job that people look down on. And that really came because... In the service master training vernacular, uh, you are down on your hands and knees for a couple of weeks cleaning things. And it's amazing how people say really kind of rude things to you on their way by as you're down in the floor finish and the scrubbers and you're all tired and hot and they say, ha ha, you missed a spot. Mm -hmm. And I learned right away that service workers were important people. Why? Because God created them in his image. So I was grateful to have that kind of upbringing. Hmm. Chad, what about you? How? What was the process between when you started walking with the Lord and all the way up to the time now that you've taken over FCCI? What, what did that period look like for you? So I'd say it was very much a progression. And if I step back to uh, just a second before that, I uh, I went to high school in New York, boarding school in New York in the in the early 80s. And so when I came out, my worldview was kind of like the Wall Street movie was back then. Greed is good. Studio 54 was big in New York and things of that nature. And so I, I started my career being how much money can I make? What can we do? Whatever it takes to win type thing. And it took a few bruises and batters along the way. Took a lot of discipleship from uh, Jim Moy. And then probably uh, one of the defining points was in starting a new company and a partner. And we, we formed a company called One Path that had a, had a meaning. Uh, we, we did a web, web uh, URL search and found an individual's website that spoke about the one true path. Um, and that was a, uh, a Christian website. And we knew that that became what we wanted to be about. Yeah. And we formed a company around there. So I was really a progression. I was a couple of steps forward, a step back, a couple of steps forward. And, and hopefully it ended up up and to the right over periods of time. And how the Lord leads you to be the CEO of FCCI? So I, um, I was asked to be on the board after about uh, 20 years or so of mentorship from Jim. He's, uh, he's 87 years old now, and so it started he had trouble getting to board meetings and conferences, and I started driving him and taking him. Mm. And um, they would invite me to lunch and sometimes stick around for an hour. And over progression, something happened that was very biblical. I was being apprenticed. I didn't know it. 
And the, the board of FCCI didn't know it. But drip by drip, Jim apprenticed me over five or six or seven years until at one board meeting he stood up and said, I would like to resign and I would like Chad to take my place. <laughs> it was a little bit of a surprise to me and them. They said it didn't work that way. But uh, shortly thereafter, I came onto the board, and then uh, there was a, a leadership change a couple of years later, and it was uh, timing was right. God's timing was right. I thought it was wrong. Um, I did not initially take the job, but as we spoke and uh, my wife and I prayed about it and spent time, we thought this is a time, and it's a time to uh, bring a little bit different perspective to an organization to try to enact some generational transfer mm-hmm. and to try to look to the next generation. Greg, what about you? How did you end up being the CEO of Convene? Well, you just take Chad's story, change some of the names, and you have the exact same story. So I was uh, in Canada. I knew the founder of Con- of Convene, whose name was Brian Thatcher. We kind of obliquely knew each other. He worked for Navigators. Mm-hmm. We moved back to California, started going to Saddleback Church. He had just been there. And he said he started this little organization that would look like Vistage, uh, which is a secular peer-to-peer networking group. And I said, that sounds fun. And I went to meeting number two, or group number two. And then he invited me on the board. I realized that um, was uh, basically meaning that he wanted more time from me. So I was on the board for about a decade. We had a leadership change. And the board thought it'd be a good idea for me to throw my hat in the ring for CEO. I was a little bit kicking and screaming until one night the uh, board chairman called me and said, we're looking for your application. Is it is it coming? And I said, I don't know. And I kind of pushed send on an old resume about 10 o'clock at night. And the next day, the board called and said, we want to talk to you further. So that's how I landed in Convene Land as the CEO. Yeah. Chad, I'm going to let you pick up the story. You guys brought us to, to Washington, D.C. in March. There was an incredible summit. And you did a really unusual thing there. First of all, you let me MC, which that was a real step of faith. But you did a really unusual thing with that summit. Talk to us about who you invited and what happened. Sure. So I, I had been a new president, new CEO of FCCI for just a couple of months and realized we had this event to put on at Museum of the Bible. And being an entrepreneur and business person all my life, I looked through the filter of that. And as I was learning and meeting the people around the country, it, it occurred to me, you know, where are points of collaboration? Where are we working together? What are we doing? And I would talk to so many people that did the same things in the same cities or same parts of the parts of the world. So the thought occurred that if we could all get together and talk, that perhaps we could be stronger together, that we could have lots of points of collaboration. So we invited, oh, about 20 or 25 different ministry organizations and faith and work organizations mm-hmm. to come to the museum with us. We had a we had a great event. We had Ben Carson lined up and Henry Cloud and Steve Green and others. So it wasn't too hard to get some folks to come. And um, as we got there, we had about 20, as I say, and we decided to all get together in a boardroom and just talk about what are our points of connection? What are the things that we could do together? And uh, Steve led us in a conversation about how the Illuminations Project came about uh, for Bible translations, and it started some conversations. Talk about it. I mean, we're talking Steve Green from Hobby Lobby, a, a phenomenal man of God. He and his bride really transforming the, the marketplace, and his dad, David Green. Talk to us about what, what do they do with the Illuminations Project, how that inspired you to where we are today. So Steve's brother, Mard, um, it was really his project, and then Steve and the museum and his dad got on board, and they looked around, and they saw that there were 
nine primary Bible translators around the country. So he pulled them all together. They all agreed to come. They laid out, put their timelines, their plans, how they're doing, and they determined that they would have the Bible translated, I believe it was by 2131. Mm -hmm. It's about 150 years on their current track. And so they thought, the Green family thought there had to be a better way, and if they could pull them together. And in Steve's words, they came together, they fussed and discussed and cussed sometimes, and some of them left and some of them came back. But then they just knew that working together would be a way to accomplish the goal quicker. So if you fast forward what he told us in that boardroom, it had been about five or six years since they Mm -hmm. started the project, 150-year project. And he said he wanted to report that on their their current trajectory that they believe they're going to have every language translated into heart languages over 6,000 by 2033. So they had knocked about 120 years off the process by collaboration, and that became the goal. That became the goal that perhaps we can do that. We're in faith and work. There's 300, 400, 2 million. There's a lot of different numbers. Barna, Gallup, there's a lot of Christian CEOs out in the world or in the United States. And as we went around that room, which wasn't everybody, but a very large collection, the five largest in the country, faith and work organizations, the best with the lowest denominator we could come up with was we had five or six percent of the market. In reality, it might be two or three. So we thought, this is our call. Can we take the 150 to 15 or 20 just like that? How do we reach? How do we find? How do we activate? How do we um, accelerate this process of using your business as a platform for ministry so really you guys talked about okay there, i mean because they're really as we've identified there's somewhere somewhere north of a thousand faith and work ministries in this country a lot of them small but there's a ton of them out there you guys said okay if we could all be on the same page working together sharing resources we could probably accomplish a lot more than two three four percent market penetration of christ followers who own and run businesses and organizations that's what you're saying that's exactly right and we thought and we knew that we knew this hill would be steep to climb and we just have to look at organizational uh, or denominational religion We've got, you know, the Methodist and the Baptist and the Presbyterian and the Catholics and others. And um, you're hard-pressed to find the Methodist and Baptist going to lunch together, much less working on a, a, a project together. So mm-hmm. we knew we had some work to do. We left off the Pentecostals and the Charismatics, too. <laughs> That's right. All right. So, Greg Leith, you know, you were in that room. Mm-hmm. And, and I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in that room. But I heard a lot of there – there was an active discussion in that room. It was active. There was no doubt about that it was active. And I learned uh, in my few years at Christian Management Association, where I uh, got to work on leadership training, that nonprofit leaders are very attached to their founding vision. They're also very attached to their role. And the interesting thing, as you heard about Chad and my story, Mm -hmm. is that we are not actually attached to our role. We are attached to our mission. We are attracted to dreaming big for kingdom impact, but we, uh, our identity, my identity is not attached to convene. Chad's identity is not tagged to FCCI. At least I don't think it is. (laughs) And in uh, all the times we spent together, I'm pretty confident it's not. And so we can hold that loosely. And I will never forget a conversation I had with Steve Douglas uh, at Campus Crusade for Christ one day, now crew. And I said, how did you do Table 71, right? Table 71, one of the most significant moves of God in history, 
where, uh, as you all probably know the story, your listeners probably know the story, Lausanne Conference, people trying to figure out Bible translation, and Wycliffe and crew and a number of other groups got together back at one of the tables. It's not a mm-hmm. magical spiritual thing. It's just one of the tables was had that little stanchion, Table 71. Right. And now today, Bible translation has exponentially accelerated because of what happened at that table. Well, what happened? I said to Steve, what happened? He said, well, we wanted to dream big for kingdom impact together, something bigger than ourselves. We wanted to be humble and say, what's mine is yours and what's yours is mine. We needed to trust each other outside of uh, work. So we got together as couples. We needed to say, and this is the big one. This is the crazy one. This is, I think, what the... This is, I think, what the block is in the faith work movement over the last 80 years since 1930, best I can tell when it began, and that is this. It's the notion that uh, Steve said we had to be willing for Campus Crusade to not exist anymore. Are you willing for Convene to not exist anymore, Greg? And I had to say, oh, my gosh, wait a minute. You mean Convene might not exist? I mean, what if FCCI didn't exist? FCCI and Convene are not going to heaven. Campus Crusade is not going to heaven. Mm-hmm. Service Master was never going to heaven. Companies don't go to heaven even if they're founded by a husband and wife that is nonprofit that are only raising a little bit of money that are doing incredible work. The found the founding principles need to be in intact but not the enterprise. So if we can gather everybody on a big tent around a big tent and say, "Don't we all believe about the same thing?" What if we cared more about the big idea? What if we dream big together for kingdom impact? What if we put all our marbles in the table and said it's a zero-sum game? Let's go. Let's talk about that, that end game, that, that, the ultimate goal. I mean, what's the faith and work movement all about? I mean, Chad, just give your idea of what the faith and work movement's all about. Because I got my idea of what I think it's all about, the end game for the faith and work movement. What do you think it is? Well, I'm not sure what the end game is, but I think the vision and one of the things that we learned around that room, and we very directly learned it with uh, Convene, but also with Truth and Work and C12 and many others, are that uh, we had a vision. All of them were pretty similar. It was to transform the world through Christ, one company leader at a time. And we all, we had a few different methods and methodologies, but we all had a mission to encourage and equip Christian CEOs to use their business as a platform for ministry, to understand that they're a steward. That, that is passing through this life, that God owns it all, and we're just here to steward along what's been given to us. And in our context, it's been businesses and people and resources. Well, and, and, and I believe that that's part of it. But in my humble opinion, that the ultimate end game of all of this is that the majority of the population in this country is not going to church. So we need to disciple Christ-following business owners and leaders in order to live out their faith and their work in order eventually for people to get exposed to Christ in the workplace because they're not going to get exposed to Christ at church because they're not going to go to church. So isn't this really about the Great Commission? Well, yes, and I love how right now media leadership puts it together. They say uh, everybody does not have a pastor, but almost everybody has a boss, right? Right. So everybody, for the most part, gets up to work and goes to work or gets out of bed and goes to work on Monday. But everybody doesn't get out of bed on Sunday in my neighborhood. That is for sure. Right. So we think that we're, we're able to redeem the culture through the portal of the C-suite, if you will, for convene, the C-suite being the leader of the company. Uh, yes, the worker matters. I've said that I believe in that deeply. But convene is not about ultimately the worker. We're about the leader. Mm-hmm. And so we think if we get that right, we can uh, change the culture. How do we do that? 
Well, we want to educate people to understand the theology of work, to understand how to use their company, as Chad just said, as a platform for ministry. But then we want them activated. The worst thing I could possibly imagine would be a fat CEO who knows so much about everything but isn't doing anything about anything. We were just with Peter Freisla just a bit ago who has a company called I Work For Him, and he's basically— well, that was, Actually, his is his way at work or sorry, Polydex Screen. Yeah, sorry, yes. his, way, yes. his, his way at work, and he has uh, too, too many names that all sound the same mm-hmm. in the space. That's part of the problem. <laughs> and so he's got this modality that says we can actually do something to give a CEO tools— to make something happen in their company. Yes. Yes, we can. And when we come back, we're going to roll out what these two guys, along with many others, have come up with to how to build a collaborative movement of Christ in the faith and work movement. I can't wait for you to hear their hearts on this. You're listening to I Work For Him. Just a reminder, this broadcast made possible through a collaboration with FCCI and Convene. Check them out online, FCCI.org and ConveneNow.com. We are on location at the 2018 International Summit, a gathering of Christ followers who desire to live out their faith in their work while pursuing excellence. We're talking today with Chad Merrill, CEO of FCCI.org, and Greg Leith, CEO of ConveneNow.com. I always say the websites because that's how you'll remember them, and that's how you can check them out online. Martha, run with it. Well, we've been talking um, about how... You had an FCCI event in March in Washington, D.C., and you had this opportunity that you invited a bunch of um, different Faith at Work ministries to come into the room together and under um, in that conversation start talking about some collaboration. So where did that conversation go to let that led us to this next conversation we're going to have today? So I think what happened is that we... Um we didn't originate. We didn't start a movement. I think we just awakened mm-hmm. and uh, brought it into the forefront of what was happening. And, I, and, I, and the feeling was palpable. Um, there was a very much a feeling that God was up to something significant, something that was bigger than any individual organization. And so it perpetuated. And it just worked out that six or eight or 10, probably 10 or 12 of the uh, CEOs of various organizations had travels through Atlanta. We got to spend some good time together and whiteboard and dream and I was in California, and Greg and I were able to meet and meet with a number of folks out there and vice versa. And then this momentum started happening, and Mm -hmm. it felt like that people were looking for something like this, that were looking for a way to work together. A lot of ministries felt isolated. They felt kind of burned out in some cases and uh, looking for what the next thing could be. And so I think it just kind of activated a conversation that really started on the last day when Randy Frazee closed us out. And and Randy made a very impassioned plea that said denominational and organized religion and churches, we are losing the culture war. Our churches are in decline. Our um, culture is moving further and further away from, from the Bible. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, fellas, you are business. The company was built on capitalism and solving problems and growing. And he put out a clarion call that said, I am calling on you guys to figure out how to collaborate and to figure out how to solve problems that the church is really challenged to solve right now. And so what is it that you've unveiled this week at uh, this international summit? So if we take one step, we started by knowing that collaboration was at the center. So Mm -hmm. we kind of said we need a collaborative venture. And that, that is the tagline of what we are is a collaborative venture. And we started going through the brand promise, if you will, and what's the DNA going to be. And just a couple of the tenants of that came and said, you know, it needs to be kingdom and not religion. 
uh, one of the things we get uh, kind of wrapped around the axle about in, in denominational ministries are, you know, do you dunk, do you sprinkle, do you stand, do you kneel? And, and that causes some really hotly contested, you know, debates. And not to diminish the, the, the rituals of any one, but that becomes a great source of conflicts. We say we need to be about kingdom and mm-hmm. not religion. Mm-hmm. And then second, we need it to be about movement and not organization. Much like we heard uh, a couple of nights ago here, Dying to self is a big part. That's something that we're all familiar with in the in the personal context, but we don't talk about a lot in organizational context. We have a lot of great organizations. You know, I'm a part of FCCI, which is a 40-year history, and CBMC is 80, and C12 and Convene are 20, and many others. But we've become very siloed in our organization. So we thought another tenant need to be we need to about be about movement and not organization. And one of the others that we really wanted to focus on is to be about abundance and not scarcity. Mm. As we say, we look across the country, pick your number. There's 200,000 Christian CEOs, and we represented less than 10,000. Yeah. So there's really not a need to fight over the 10,000 that are already in the room when we have, you know, 190,000 or a million or whatever the number is out there. So those were the kind of the brand promise that we thought that we needed to be about those things and to be a collaborative venture. Kingdom, not religion. Movement. Uh, movement, not organization. Abundance, not scarcity. Yes. Greg Leith, pick it up from there. Well, so we uh, worked pretty hard with uh, one of our young designers uh, and a friend of Chad's and the person who uh, helped with the project, Doug Spada and Bren Bohr. And we said, what would it look like if we put this into uh, the name of an enterprise? So we came up with the word Ergon 412. And uh, so E-R-G-O-N, Ergon 412, which Ergon is the Greek word that is that work word, right? Ephesians 412 says equipping the saints to do works of service, Ergon of service. Ecclesiastes 412 talks about the triple braided cord is not easily broken. Mm -hmm. And Acts 412 talks about there's one name under heaven and earth by which you can be saved, Jesus Christ. So when you put the notion of works together with triple braided cord, speaking of the collegiality of what Chad just talked about, together with the one name under heaven and earth, the ultimate goal, we don't want just educated people. We don't just want activated people. We want people who have the curtains pulled back on the meaning and purpose of life that are in companies across America. And we believe if we get this right, we can uh, really awaken the Christian CEOs and leaders to bring their people to a place of wanting to hear more about faith. You guys, you're on the cutting edge, which sometimes is the bleeding edge, uh, which I know you've experienced some of that already, I'm sure. But this is really what Jesus called for at the beginning. He said, they're going to know you by your love, and they're going to know you because you're unified. And we've had a lot of disunity within the body of Christ for the last 2,000 years. We've had some unity. We've had some disunity. Within the faith and work movement, there are so many players how do you, I mean, I want you to share your heart about why you're so excited about Aragon 412. Greg, we'll start with you. Well, the reason I'm excited is because I think we're stronger together. Now, that might sound like a trite throwaway word, but it's really true that all the organizations today have their own IT, their own IP, their own uh, content, their own marketing, their own mailing list, their own website. And, you know, dear heavens, if you talk to a 501c3 uh company about their donor list, you are on a bad, 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 bad place. And so I'm saying, what if instead of people getting three invitations, 
from three different companies to go to something that says, wouldn't you like to join my organization? What if we said, let's put that mailing list in the middle of the table and invite somebody to one event where they can learn about how to be part of the faith work movement. So my excitement is that we could begin to work together to move the needle past 10,000 Christian CEOs in groups. And I'll, I'll just tell you a quick story. And that would be on the high side. Th- that's right. I'm having dinner in Chicago with a dear friend of mine, John Wright. And uh, he said, what would make you really angry if in 10 years from now it wasn't true? And I said, John, you know, I don't really get angry. And he said, well, but if you did get angry. And I said, well, how about if I tell you a dessert? So I thought and thought through this really nice dinner. And by the time it was dessert, I was really angry. And I was ready to pound the table and cry over the fact that if we couldn't get 100,000 Christian leaders to be educated and activated in their faith, I would be really angry 10 years from now. So that's not our goal, but that's just a story from a nice little restaurant in the middle of Chicago where we said, wow, we are not making progress. How could we make progress? So your goal is not 100,000? What's well, your goal? I'd, I'd rather see a goal that is more like a quarter of a million people. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. then we're getting closer. Yeah, we're getting closer. Because I got a goal. Okay. My, a, what is it? The goal for I work for him is to is for a million Christ okay. followers to be energized by the ministries that you guys represent. Okay, well, uh, because, I'll go because with Because a that. million is still just a percentage. That's right. It's not everybody. Yeah. But I just think if, first of all, if you had your 100,000 number, you had a, if you had 100,000 Christ-following leaders and owners of businesses really living out their faith in their work in organizations across this country, oh, we'd already see the ripple. The yeah. ripple would be starting. You get to a million, it's a tidal wave Yeah, that's, and uh, that's irrefutable. It's, in, it's indefensible because the power of yeah. God is rolling. Yeah. And my, my frustration is I've probably had... 500 conversations with Christian CEOs who haven't heard of any of the faith work organizations. Well, right. And that's why we're on the air. And Amen. so we're going to help solve that problem, but we just got to get in more stations. Chad, I want to hear about your excitement, your passion behind this, because you were the new guy on the block. You know, Chad's been in his position for three years. You were brand new in the position. You've only been there six months in March when this whole conversation started. And FCCI is 40 years old, convened 20 years old, C12, 30 years old. I mean, CBMC, 88 years old this year. And you're going, hey, I think we need to do something different. Talk to us about your passion and why you're like, this is why God brought me to be the CEO of FCCI. It's Aragon 412. So it really came from from kind of viewing things through a business lens. There were a combination of two things. One, looking at the next generation and looking at how we're going to reach down to the next generation and knowing that they value authenticity, that they value originality, and uh, things that aren't necessarily uh, things you think of when you think of older organizations and churches and things like that. And the other is just being a part of a movement, something that's exciting and something that's growing and having a clear, clear um, a view in my mind that, as Greg said, together we are stronger. And to use a different analogy, more biblical, the uh, body of Christ, and that the sum of all the parts, you know, the hand's not stronger than the foot right. and, and things of that nature, and it takes all of the bodies of Christ to work together. And, and that it became impassioned about that. There's a number of stories that came up through that about things in in other parts of the world and how that we can work together. And so to me, and I told the board this when I took the job, that if the goal is to get 27 more people to come to the conference and start three more groups on the West Coast next year, that's just not real exciting, and that's not going not gonna to move the needle enough. But getting people to really collaborate to do something big 
becomes exciting. And it's, uh, it's been very gratifying. And there's a, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really excited also that we think that it's inclusive of everybody. Um, Greg and I got a text just a couple of days ago as we were starting the conference from Mike Shero, the president of C12, that said, you know, our executive team's going to be praying for you this weekend. That's probably not text that were traded a year or two or three ago. Right. Um, we had conversations just coming in. Bill McAvenny was in Atlanta. I think Greg was there one time at our house, and we spoke about how you have a focus on discipleship that goes down through the employee level. We need to learn how to embrace that with CBMC and how to partner together with that. We have organizational and CEO-type ministries, and so there's got to be a way that we can work together. So Greg and I are both going to the CBMC President's Weekend in a, in a month or two to try to continue that conversation to see how we can do this. One of the things the Lord laid on our hearts when we started iWork for him was, number one, uh, don't reproduce the wheel. Because there's so much stuff out there already, yeah. yet so few people know about it. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things we've seen in the body of Christ, and especially in the faith and work movement. Hey, we're going to do this, and we're going to do this. And we're like, yeah, but somebody else is already doing this. and what, But you're doing this. But yeah, but somebody else is already. There's so much reproductive mm-hmm. and waste of time and the dollars. I mean, it's, it's incredible. When we come back, I want to talk about how this collaborative movement, which you are now calling Aragon 412, how it's going to reach out to some of the other parts of the country of the Christ followers that aren't really being touched by the faith and work movement very well right now. You're listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We are broadcasting to you from Rancho Mirage, California. We've got Chad Merrill in here. He's the CEO of FCCI. We've got Greg Leith. He's the CEO for Convene. You can check out Convene online, convenenow.com. You can check out FCCI online at FCCI.org. These guys are from opposite ends of the country, yet the Lord has drawn them together for an effort that we now call Aragon 412. We're not sure whether what it is at this point in time, but it is for sure a collaborative movement within the body of Christ of faith and work ministries working together to further the mission of discipling Christ followers in the workplace, helping them connect what they hear on Sunday with what they do in their 9 to 5 to help Christ followers recognize that their workplace really is a place of ministry. You know, so with I love the word collaboration, and I love the visual that you guys gave us the other night where we um, held a rope around our tables to kind of tie us all together. But sometimes with collaboration, it means bringing in new ideas or focusing on things that have not been in your niche. What are your plans to um, really reach to the different areas um, that need to be reached as far as women and um, diversity and as far as um, even our younger generations? So I would say that, that is, uh, those are amongst the very top priorities that we are, that we, uh, we know that most of the organizations, it's a generalization, not all, but mm-hmm. most of our organizations, just like most of our churches, have been older and white. Mm-hmm. And um, that is a high goal for us to change. We, we attacked millennial this time. Uh, we think we expanded that greatly. We had uh, eight or nine yes. speakers that were under the age of 35, uh, a couple of them 17, uh, <laughs> to, to try to look toward the future. And we're looking at ways to draw that. And I think entrepreneurial and accelerator and incubator and think tank, we did a, our version of a shark tank this mm-hmm. time to brought in some folks to let them know that we're, we have an eye toward redemptive investing and redemptive entrepreneurs. And matter of fact, that's our, uh, that's our theme tonight. Mm. And uh, likewise, we know that in the uh, in the U.S. today, that the doctors, the lawyers, the college graduates, the new businesses that are getting started are largely fifty-fifty or greater than fifty percent in the female side, yes. and that we fifty-five percent of the workforce is women. That's right, and that we've got to draw those in. And the same with diversity. 
the, uh, the, the numbers hold, and we've got to do a better job. We've got to draw folks in in that, and we're specifically targeting that. One on the uh, diversity side is I think you interviewed Chris Conley earlier, and his, uh, he is uh, from Memphis, and his passion was uh, drawing together and having racial reconciliation mm-hmm. and had a uh, very successfully integrated church, and so he's going to lead some of that on that side for us. But we've got a number of things that we're working on. Mm. On on the Christian CEO side, the answer is a little bit tougher. There just aren't as many female CEOs as there are men. That's the facts. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't go after women. In Convene, there are many, many Convene groups that have women in them. Uh, not half, not all, but mm-hmm. some. And so I love being in the groups that have women in them because you get the rest of the body of Christ. And I don't really enjoy just hearing a men's only perspective on a convene group. Six to 16 men and women around a table is the way it works best. Um, I was with Kelly uh, at Forward for Women uh, last week in Dallas. I was on the phone with my old colleague, Pat Asp from Service Master, who's a board member of Forward mm-hmm. for Women. And we're going to actually just forwardwomen.org. Forward, forward, forward women. women. And uh, we're going to work together with them and say, how can we do things together? Uh, because there's too many good things that they're doing that we're not doing. And we need to learn from that. So that's my short answer to that. It's a tough problem to solve. And we need to get on it. Uh, the other thing is that Convene has young leaders groups. And uh, we're going to fan the flames of those young leaders group. So I just want to throw it out there to our listeners and to those that may hear this in the future is that if this is something that stirs it up in your heart that says, you know, I know there's a gap and God's calling me to to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a great place to network with because, again, they don't need to necessarily reinvent the wheel, but we need some leaders to really um, take up some mantles and, and carry that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my question, I mean, you guys are both married to very high-powered women. Mm-hmm. I mean, Shelly uh, and, and Robin can hold their own for sure in a big crowd. How much time have you spent saying, okay, high-powered wife, what do you want from the Faith of Work ministry? Have you guys asked that question, sat down and say, hey, what do you want? I would have to say I haven't asked Shelly that question. Uh, she is actually, I don't know about Robin, but she's a little jealous of how much time Chad and I spend on the phone <laughs> right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you could do weekends together and then share those questions. <laughs> That's good. We need to go on a cruise or something. A marriage cruise right up oh, here. Oh, okay. There, right. that but, was a but, softball. But Chad, with, with Robin's involvement in uh, Giant Worldwide, which is a phenomenal organization we've highlighted many times here in I Work Room, what, what does she say about what, what the Faith and Work Movement, how they could minister to the needs that she's got as an executive within that world? She wants to come alongside also, and we, we did have a, a couple of women that were here talking about that very topic, and... Uh, and we're on a search, and I've, I've asked her personally to re- recruit and help mm-hmm. us talk to some of the women and some of the leaders that uh, she works with on a daily basis in different cities. And to let's really get into what adds value. Last year, uh, I think we're seeing some of the fruit of it. We're not all the way there yet, but we had a we had a meeting with about 40 millennials, and we just said, what makes something add value to your life and your business, and why would you want to come? And and we started addressing some of those this year, and I think those same questions hold for uh, for women. As you say, it's a uh, it, it's a it's a bit of a complex issue, but it's also straightforward. Also, I mean, half the population is women. We've just got to get them into the yeah. ranks of uh, leadership. 
And so we're talking about a collaboration that the Lord has moved within the minds and souls of over 12 leaders of faith and work organizations from around the country. It's called Ergon 412. They've got a website already, ergon412.com. It is, it's right, it's .com, right? It's not That's dot, right, .com. Okay, I, I looked it up last we, night after you guys made the announcement. we got a good one. Ergon412.com. This is something, if you know of a faith and work ministry, a ministry re- invested in discipling Christ followers in their work, and you know that they are likely to want to be involved in a collaborative effort of a lot of ministries that are like-minded, you need to refer them out there to that website and get them connected up, ergon412.com. You know, I want to just speak to um, the people that may be hearing this for the very first time or they've heard about it but and have been curious. Um, it can sometimes be tough to not have been at the announcement or to have been at the first event where, but I think we need to step back and celebrate and make sure that we are um, pure of heart and saying, you know what, God's just moving. And you guys have uh, openly admitted, we don't know all that this is going to encompass or what it's going to look like, but you are being willing examples for those out there to say, you know what, God is telling us collaboration is biblical. Mm -hmm. And what we're doing, we're just taking a step of faith. And I just want to encourage others to join into that process and not to resist it. Because um, God's got a big plan ahead. And um, I just want to thank you for your humility and your and your generosity in in taking those steps of faith. Thanks. Well, thank you for leading into that. And we we knew coming into this, we weren't as organized. We didn't have it all figured out. I think, as Greg said, we know that we're building the plane in flight. But we felt we had an opportunity. We were going to have 500 CEOs. We felt that there was a clear calling, and everybody clearly felt the sensing that that together we're stronger. Just, yeah. just together we're stronger. And so we we took the opportunity. We wanted to step out. Um, uh, maybe it was a bit courageous. Maybe it was a bit bold. Maybe there are a few things that were foolish. But we thought we can start the conversation, and this will start the conversation. We don't have all the answers, but we're going to try to find the answers. You know, yeah. and I think it also can inspire people if they feel like maybe God's given them an idea that might launch it to that next stop or, you know, give it um, another, you know, piece of uh, wind in the sail. That's what that's why it's beautiful that you don't have it all figured out. It's like yeah. this is a work in progress and yeah. God's got his hand on it. And if, if somebody was not uh, able to be here in the announcement time mm-hmm. that we did in Rancho Mirage, it's on uh, the Convene and the FCCI website at fa- our, um, Facebook pages. So go to our Facebook page. Excellent. And Facebook Live, as you may yes. not know, is not just live. It's also there for time and eternity so they can right. tune in. So the cool part is a year from now, this picture will be a lot more clear. It may not be complete, but it'll be a lot more clear. You guys have a new event scheduled in San Diego, California next year called the Leadership Collab. I don't know why you couldn't say collaboration, but, you know, collab because it's, cool. it's, cool. it's cool. It's cool. Oh, it's supposed to attract younger people, Oh, that's Jim. what it is. Leader- so it's, okay. it's not Leadership all about Collab, you. people with all their hair, you mean. LeadershipCollab.com is where the people find out. Tell us about that event coming up here, Chad. Well, it's going to be uh, very similar. We're still working out the... Uh, Working out the details, but it will be uh, in Southern California, very much the same. We'll have lots of breakouts, lots of speakers. We've got a number of good speakers lined up. We're, we're talking to women. We're talking to diversity, a lot of millennials. We may have a younger session that starts at one point and moving in, but it's going to be continue to be to encourage and equip Christian business owners to understand how to lead their company for Christ. Excellent. September 29th through October the 2nd at Hotel Del Coronado. And there's going to be somewhere between 1,000 and 2,000 people that Greg talk about it. 
Well, we're excited about it because, uh, interestingly enough, the behind-the-scenes, the the uh, only heard on the radio today uh, story, is uh, the FCCI event was called the International Summit. Summit is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And our event was called the Leadership Something or Other, Leadership Summit, I think. So we took these two words, uh, put them in a washing machine, and came up with Leadership Collab. Uh, which is speaking really to those younger people that you said you wanted us to speak to. That's right. And so they can go to leadershipcolab.com and sign up. There's a lot of exciting things going on. Look up Ergon412, E-R-G-O-N, 412.com. Chad Merrill, Greg Lee, thank you so much for being on iWorkRim. Thanks for your leadership in this collaboration, and thank you for leading the unity within the mo- movement of the faith and work movement. Thank you, guys. It's a joy. Thank you. You're listening to iWorkRim with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I, I work, work for him. him.